Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on Barca Talk, though La Liga continues to be suspended, FC Barcelona continue to make news. We will discuss Camp Nou's new naming rights and how much money will really go to COVID-19 relief. We also address the latest rumor, is Artur Melo really headed to Inter Milan? We also discuss in depth the transfers under Bartomeu and the board since joining FC Barcelona. Hello and welcome to Barca Talk, the podcast for FC Barcelona fans. I'm your host in Madrid, Spain, Gabriel Quiroga. And with me to talk FC Barcelona and all the pandemic news is Cole Ridley from Seattle. Cole, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. I just hit my one month of quarantine or one month of staying (laughs) home yesterday. So um, that was kind of shocking, but it's been flying by, which is good. Like it went really fast. I feel like every day is getting faster and faster. So hopefully... We're all going back to normal soon. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, we're here on, I think, day 47, something like that over here in Madrid. And mm-hmm. uh, we're hoping uh, by May 9th that we'll be able to start walking actually outside of our houses here. Tomorrow, they're going to, uh, on April 26th, they're allowing the kids to walk out one kilometer from their flat. So that's big news here. So a lot of parents are happy oh. about that. Mm. But, uh, you know, obviously, I don't know if you know this, Cole, because we just started recording and started getting to know each other. But I'm a big mm-hmm. movie person. I watch a lot of movies. Yes, and uh, before aware. we yeah before we recorded, <laughs> um, I was watching a movie that kind of made me nostalgic for summer and France. I don't know if you've seen this movie called A Good Year with I've Russell Crowe. No. no, it's no. Uh, it's a uh, it's you know it's a romantic comedy slash you know uh, Russell Crowe is like this banker who inherits an estate in France, basically in Provence, <laughs> and like basically moves there, and it's. It's just great. I spent a bunch of summers in France, and so it just brought back these memories. So I was just watching it, and I'm just like, oh, my God. I cannot wait for summertime. I just want to be yeah. outside in the pool, uh, mm-hmm. eating food, drinking wine. You know, that's essentially what I want to do. <laughs> it sounds nice. Let me tell you that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an easy watch, and it has mm-hmm. my favorite, one of my favorite actresses, the French actress uh, Marianne Cotter. She is, oh, my mm. God. I love her so much, and she anything she's in, I'm in. You know, I'm like right. she's in a movie, I'm watching it, and she's the the love interest in this, and it's just it's it's like a vision to like just drop your things at mm. your current job and just move to France, essentially in the French countryside. Well, yeah. I'll have to I'll have to add that to my list. It's not like I don't have all the time in the world right now, right? <laughs> <laughs> like I said, it's the easiest watch ever. Like you, okay. you know, it's like just one of like those. Uh, it's very beautiful uh, scenery. It's easy to follow and it's short. It's like an hour and a half. You're in and out. You know that that type okay. of thing. Well, enough of our bad movie reviews here. Let's <laughs> jump. Let's jump into Barca news again. We, I mean, another week passes by. Just more news, more rumors, and obviously, you know, 
since there isn't matches going on, all we can do is speculate, have rumors, and so forth. So what we're going to do in this episode is we're going to address some of those things, and then obviously we're going to do a deep dive into some of Bartomeu and the board's uh, transfer policies ever since they joined in 2014-15 season. But first, let's get into this. Now, every day here, Cole, in the news, you know, it's it's always trying to imagine when La Liga is going to start soon. And that's kind of the big news going on. And personally, I don't think La Liga is going to start till September. Uh, that's just my personal opinion going into this because just the situation that we are, we are in Spain, it just doesn't look like we can get anything done by June or July. I mean, I'm hopeful, but I just don't think it's going to happen. Now, around Europe, one of the big things that happened was the Eredivisie canceled their season. So tell us a little bit about that, Cole. Yeah, they made that announcement yesterday. So that would have been April 24th. Um, no winner for the league. It was a lot tighter than some of the other um, European leagues uh, at the top of the table. There's also going to be no promotion and no relegation. So I think that this is going to be the blueprint for what pretty much every other league is going to do. There's talks that some leagues will still have promotion and relegation or only relegation, um, which could definitely uh, change the way seasons t- um, play out because we know that there's homes and a ways to each side uh, in La Liga. And so if there's only 17 teams next season, that's a lot shorter of a um, season. So that's a lot less money as well. Yeah, I mean, this is big news because obviously I think more importantly, the promotion relegation, right? Because that's obviously Mm -hmm. dollars that's going to come in or lose for a club. Now, I think uh, this is a blueprint to follow. But I also kind of like we talked about last last week is put an asterisk, maybe have the Mm -hmm. winner. I can go either way with with this decision. If they cancel it, Mm -hmm. they're done. Because the other hot topic here that's happening, we'll talk about this in a second, is if they do start the season here at La Liga, how is that going to happen with the testing, the players, the venues, and all? Everyone has their theories, right? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. one theory was to go to the Canary Islands and just play all the games there because of the weather. They could just be there. You know, that's that's all great pie in the sky, but the players aren't going for it, you know, because Mm-mm. there's been a lot of cases here, you know, with players and so forth. And so, again, it's everyone wants to theorize it. I think it's good to be thinking outside the bubble. But again, until there's a clear line in the sand of when we can kind of go back, we can't really, you know, project uh, when yeah. the league is going to start again. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the best thing to do is like what we said last week, put an asterisk. It doesn't matter because we're not going to jangle it and front of Real Madrid fans' faces. So I think the only fan base that would absolutely hold this title accountable is uh, Liverpool fans. And, yeah, that's... The- you know, that's that's <laughs> one league I'm hoping they cancel and there is no winner. I'd love to see, <laughs> I'd love to see that just after the hot run they're in. You know, it, it, you always like it when it's not your club and especially the way we lost to them last season. Yeah, you want to lick their tears, huh? <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Well, the other thing, too, is, you know, obviously uh, Bundesliga is trying to start in May. But, you know, I heard an interview on ESPN FC with one of the coaches, I think, from Hertha Berlin. And he was saying that, you know, just like here in Spain, the different communities along Germany have different rules and regulations of social distancing. For example, like in Munich, I think it's uh, no more than eight people. And then in the north, it's no more than four. So that creates, you know, inferiority with practices for different teams now. Germany is trying to streamline to have Bundesliga start sooner than later. 
Mm-hmm. I still think it's a pie dream in the in the sky type of thing where yes, it can happen in May, but I honestly, I I honestly don't think it's going to start till, if anything, till June or July because again, yeah, the different communities have different regulations and they can't practice as freely as other teams. Yeah, I think if anything's going to happen, not just the Bundesliga, if La Liga chooses this route, the Prem, anyone, what's going to happen is they're going to get fully ready. Teams are going to go back to practicing. They're going to be going back to training. Uh, the first game will roll around. Everyone's getting ready. They're at the stadium. They're in their kits. They're walking out, and something's going to happen where they just have to call it off. I mean, there's there's just so many ifs and buts to this, and you're going to share some news that you read in a newspaper this morning um, of what they're doing to prioritize testing. And there's so many uh, individuals and people that go into putting on a match day, even when there's no fans, you still have all the media, you still yeah. have the technical crew and everything. There, there's a lot of people there that you have to make sure are safe to be around each other, right? And that's the, if that's the question in the air that there is no answer to, you know, it's just not, it's not feasible right now. Yeah, let's get into that. So that kind of ties into, you know, the camp, no getting Hollywood essentially, right? Getting the mm-hmm. naming rights. I mean, You know, as an American, this is not anything new for me, right? Because, you know, this happens all over with every arena and stadium. And I think the biggest shock was, you know, when I was younger, when Candlestick in San Francisco got their naming rights changed. And it was like this big deal. And I remember they got like a million dollars or something like that. And everyone was like, wow, you know. And now the Camp Nou is looking to get naming rights. And again, I'm kind of jaded about this because of the timing and who's mm-hmm. doing it, right? It's, yep. it's just another slimy thing that Bartomeu is trying to do. Now, they did the I press agree. release and they're, and they're saying that the money's going to go to COVID-19 relief. What do, you, what do you think? You think what? 1% of that is going to COVID? I think <laughs> that right now their goal is to give a majority of that to COVID relief. However, with how this board makes decisions financially, I don't think that they're going to you know, be ready to hand that check over and go, well, we did just have, you know, they're going to list seven things that went sure. poorly and go, Let, let's 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 change this up a little bit. I, I can't see it going exactly how they intend it. And I'm sure the public is going to be keeping a really close eye on this because of who's in charge of it. They want this to go smoothly and they want it to keep his word and do what is right. I think the right thing to do would be 100 percent of it goes to COVID relief. But I don't know that that's an option in the club. I really don't. Again, this is going down to the dollars and cents and, you know, this is going mm-hmm. into, you know, the overall, you know, bank account essentially of FC Barcelona. Now, the rumor here is that th- they could get up to 30 to 40 million per year on just the naming rights, which is pretty astronomical if you ask me. I did a little light research on the NFL mm-hmm. stadiums and that basically one of the highest ones I found was the new 49ers stadium with Levi Stadium and they get 22 million per year. Now, you have to remember that in the NFL, they only have about 10 home games, if that, nine home games. So the comparisons are a lot different, right? You're going to, mm-hmm. you know, the visibility of the team with more home games is going to be huge. Champions League, obviously the pricing. But again, I just go back to really um, how much of this money is really going to go to COVID-19 relief. And also, like, as we just talked about before with the league opening, there's a huge debate here. Like, if they open the league, you know, the league has about 900 players in total, and those players are going to get tested and get high priority more mm-hmm. than the health workers here in Spain. And that's bringing up a huge debate here because the health workers in Spain have the highest 
you know, being contagious of COVID-19 among them in the world. So this is a huge deal, right? All these things intertwine with each other. I would love, you know, in a dream world, I would love to see them get this naming rights and at least, you know, if let's say it's 40, keep 10, put 30 to COVID and just mm-hmm. be done with it, you know? Yeah, it, it's a good comparison because I'm sure the NFL rights are a lot higher than the NBA or MLB. So 30 to 40 is what they're being projected to get. And uh, 49ers get a max 22 highest in yeah. the NFL. That, that's a lot different. It, it's a good comparison between American sports and how Europe, because this isn't normal by yeah. any means, right? And I think that this is step one to getting us used to it. This is the UNICEF uh, kid sponsor 2.0, right? That's all that's happening here. That's a good one. That's a good one. Exactly, right? So when that happened, everyone's like, whoa, what's going on? Now, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, know, like I said, in dream world, you take a majority of that money, you dump it, because in the following year, you're going to have money. Hopefully, we're not going to have a COVID-19 again, you know, uh, type of response. And so you can just pocket that money that just goes right there. You're showing the good deed. You're helping to find relief. Help mm-hmm. the country of Spain and people will love it, you know. So, yeah. again, this is all just super complicated. Again, all, all the journalists right now have to do is, you know, to theorize these ideas and what's going on. So, exactly. So that's yeah, that's really what's going on here. That was the big news of the week was the testing between players against health workers. Again, let's get into our favorite topic. One of my favorite topics <laughs> is the transfer talk. Obviously, the rumors now. The board just came out and said that three players were safe. I mean, is this a surprise, right? Messi, Ter Stegen, and Frankie de Jong. Is there anyone else that you would think would be safer, mm. let's say? Be, you know, what do you think? Safer? Um, I, can't, I can't say anything. I, I guess I would hope um, Artur, but he's yeah. being used as make and kind of he's being tossed around. We'll dive into that. But other than that, there isn't really a player that I think deserves to be um, untouchable. How about you? I mean, yeah, I would say these three and then everyone else, I would say, is uh, bait, mm-hmm. right? Like, you can yeah. use it. The thing that worries me is, how is this news leaking, right? Because mm-hmm. the board members and people of high profile are not going to the facility, Mm-mm. right? So how is this stuff yeah. just getting leaked out constantly? That's, this, to me, is always surprising, especially here in world football where you don't have the relationships with the journalists like you do, like, in the NBA, for example. That, yeah. Like, you know, it's it, there's kind of this defined line, right? And mm-hmm. again, obviously, these three players are, the, I would say, the most safe. Maybe I would put our tour in there, and mm-hmm. you know, maybe you know, I don't know. I guess that would Luis Suarez for right now because obviously you're not going to be able to trade him. But yeah, I think that's about it. Now this goes into your boy Sandro Sandro Tonali. Yeah. I you know when you put this on the dock, I I asked uh, who is this guy, right? <laughs> so tell us a little bit about Mr. Sandro. Yeah, so uh, for those who don't know, I'm Italian. I love the Italian national team. That's that's the national team I pride myself with the most with. Um, I have a I have a good story with the 2006 World Cup being in Italy for the for the um, for the celebration. Anyway, so I'm I'm paying really close attention to all these young um, Azzurini type players. And he is a youngster from Brescia in the Serie A. He helped um, bring the club up from uh, Serie B in promotion last season. The club, this is brand new, and that's why I'm really excited about this, Gabriel, because I haven't seen <laughs> any Italians linked with Barcelona since Belletti. So okay. um, the board apparently has offered 60 million euros plus youngsters to bring him in. We don't know who the youngsters are. This is um, a report from Mundo Deportivo. 
And to give a background of the um, player for our listeners, he's he's compared to Pirlo in his physique, um, definitely with the hair. He's got that long, flowy hair. No Pirlo, no party. Um, <laughs> passing, mentality, vision. He's got that um, kind of more defensive-like playing. But on the ball, he's actually compared to Iniesta, which is really strange. Go ahead and do a YouTube search. He's very quick on the ball. He, he glides across the pitch with the ball between defenders around him. Um, so that's what I like about him because he takes on players, something that Pirlo didn't do, and he has a huge um, understanding of the game. He's very smart with his decision-making, his passing. Um, he kind of like Busquets in a way, mentally. He knows where the ball's going before it comes to him, and that's you know obviously very impressive at such a young age. I'm not sold. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's it, it's something that you, you have to see for yourself, and I think that this is going to be good because one day Sergio Busquets is going to leave the camp new, and he won't be replaceable. And I'm worrying that we are going to try to do that, um, which I think will ultimately be defined by Albert Einstein's insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. So, so I mean, I just look at this and I quickly saw, and yes, he has some good moves and he does have mm-hmm. good movement on the, on the ball and so forth. But again, I just look at the, the, the bottom line, the price tag, 60 yep. mil for this kid, right? And mm-hmm. I, while you were speaking, I was trying to rack my brain to think of the last good Italian midfielder <laughs> to be in La Liga. It's been a while. Right? There hasn't been any. Exactly. I'd and say so, last Italian midfielder, regardless of where he plays. I mean, yeah, yeah. That's no what I'm saying. No one's really been solid since Marquisio, maybe. And if before that. that yeah, yeah, yeah. If, yeah, and you if can that. have your debate about Marquisio. You know? Yeah, yeah. He never left Juve, so. Um, and that's that's the thing. And I don't want to just typecast you know, yeah. this player, right? As an Italian, like cannot do it, whatnot. Mm-hmm. But again, I just always go back to especially at this age, right? And mm-hmm. what youngsters are we going to give for this? Like, that's the other thing, you know, like obviously didn't yeah. name it because this is mm-hmm. just pre-talk. But as we talked about, like, what are we doing? What's the point, right? Like, I, I want those youngsters to stay because I think they're going to have more success, better rate of success than Tanali would. And I know he's like, just looking at him, I can tell he's a very talented player and so forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, just projecting out money-wise. And again, we're going to talk about the transfers at the end, but I mean, it's just insane to me. 60 mil for potential and also giving away youngsters. That's the other thing that, that I don't like about the deal. And if you want to ask me about the financial part of the deal, it's a hundred percent a bad deal. 60 million doesn't (laughs) make sense. And youngsters, I'd have to assume that they're going to be, uh, Juvenil A or Barca B players because Brescia is going down. They're at the bottom of Serie A right now. Okay. It's not looking good. Like they're going to rise up. So they're going to be building for the future to make another um, return to Serie A in 2022. You know, that, that means they're going to be players who are either ready for first-team football or are just, just underneath the cusp. And that's a little bit worrying because of the way that Barcelona has this playing style. These youngsters have been playing that for, you know, X amount of years now. So to bring in a player who's never played that before, who might fit that role, you know, it's, it's a huge risk, especially at $60 million. Yeah. That's that's a number that I don't think is possible after this pandemic. I think that I wouldn't go for more than 25 to 30. Yeah, so I would agree that. with that. Half I would that. say 25, a bag of balls and a youngster, you know, something, <laughs> yeah. something like Absolutely. this. That's what I would yeah. That's what I would get. Again, 
this is one of the big things that's happening. You know, all the rumors that are happening, we don't mm-hmm. know what the transfer policies are going to be after this, right? Or how much money is really going to be available. Because next we're going to talk about, you know, the rumor that will never die is Neymar, right? <laughs> yes. Again, you know, any any outlet you listen to about world football or read about, it's always going to be about Neymar. And it's interesting because I heard this debate on ESPN FC about why Neymar is so hated or not beloved as like Ronaldo, right? The original Ronaldo. Mm-hmm. Like my opinion, I think a lot has to do with just Neymar's social media presence. And that's really yeah. what a lot of it has to do with it. But I always go back to this fundamental thing. Why did he even leave in the first place? And I know I know he said because he wants to go to Paris and said his own name. But again, at the same time, it's Paris, right? I mean, yeah. I feel that Barcelona is such a linear move from Brazil with weather, lifestyle. Yeah. But you know what, uh, Cole? Like, I was thinking about this. Barcelona and its history does not treat Brazilians very well. <laughs> no, they don't. We, we At the beginning, to, they do, but the then they just kind of just shoo them away, you know? Yeah. At the beginning, there's a lot of hope and potential, and then all of a sudden, we decide not to resign someone, and they go yeah. on and have a remarkable career. No, you're right. It's, it's 100% his social media presence, I think, because this is a different age, and unless you're you know, always constantly making the right decisions in the public and, you know, donating money or being in charities or foundations, training, um, you know, things like that. And Neymar is never, ever going to do that. He's going to play Call of Duty uh, at (laughs) four in the morning and he's going to fly Artur out between games just to hang out, right? That's the thing that worries me. He's a cancer in the dressing room. I think he's a cancer off the pitch as well. And regardless of what he can do with the football at his feet, I'm not sold on Neymar coming back because it would take a lot f- for him yeah. to win me back over. That that's that was gonna I was gonna ask you what would it take for you for for Neymar to return and you to forget what he had done. Well, I'm not spurned by him, you know. I because I, I I don't really felt an attachment to him because I just felt as he was getting really good, he left. We won the Champions League and he just you know and then he just left and. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously he was a hyped player, but I, I just didn't I'd never felt that connection because I don't think he was here long enough for me to feel that connection. And mm-hmm. again, I just felt like he was just another mercenary. I mean, just think of the top five Brazilians we ever had on Barcelona, right? Ronaldinho, uh, Ronaldo, uh, mm-hmm. Neymar, um, Ronaldo, you know, mm-hmm. Romario. And all of them had prolific careers in Barcelona for two years. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden they would just shoot away, you know? Yep. And, it's just, and, I, and I feel like the same thing happened with Neymar again. As I always say, not to be the accountant of Barca talk, but it just goes down <laughs> to the numbers. Again, 164 for this guy. What are we going to do? Mm-hmm. I mean, if we were just yeah. talking about the guy before, you know, Tonali with 60 million, and I'm mm-hmm. super weary about that, another 100 million plus with Neymar. And again, like you have here, he has to do a public apology. I mean, how many times is he going to have to publicly apologize? What's he going to have to do? Is he going to have to kiss babies like the Pope? I mean, what, what, is, what does he have to do, you know? Yeah, I, I think so. The other important thing to remember is Neymar is 28 right now. Yeah. He is, you know, he's past that mark, I think. And uh, the important thing to say is that that number you said, Gabriel, that 164 million euro, that's post-pandemic figure, right? So yeah. we, we all knew that there was going to be a bit of a hit and clubs wouldn't market values would drop right we're we're going to see that um when all this is over with but 164 after the fact seems 
absolutely impossible. We're going to lose a lot in return, and that's where there's talk of a swap deal with um, Antoine Griezmann could possibly be going back to his home country to Paris, um, or not his home country, but where he plays <laughs> yeah, his yeah. national yeah, team. Yeah, yeah that's, we can. It's another episode for the summer. Um, it, I think that Neymar would have to publicly apologize for me and. I would want him to kind of slander PSG in a way. I think that would be <laughs> hilarious. And I also think that it would forever ruin his time in Paris. And I think mm. that that would be enjoyable to watch as someone who doesn't like the club. I think that that would be <laughs> very entertaining and to remember. But at the same time, that would be embarrassing for us because we did let him go. And then yeah. we spent so much money to bring him back. To the club. I mean, that's the thing. Again, I once he left, I was good that he, I mean, he left and that's fine. You make your decision. Mm-hmm. It's business. I get it. Again, it just always goes back. And, I, you know, again, when we looked at the numbers and we look at these players, we have to I mean, we don't have to get every high price player. We just don't. It's it's, nope. it's impossible to keep that as a business plan. We're seeing it. And like we talked about, I want to see these youngsters fail and go through the ranks and see if they're any good before we keep trying to get the highest price guys. I mean, let's go to the next guy, Alex mm-hmm. Tellez, right? So he's a left back um, from Porto. Again, this is <laughs> this is another bane in our existence with these play with the left back and the right back position because you know Jordi Alba is on the downhill of his career. And mm-hmm. we don't have a sufficient backup. I mean, we have Junior Furpo right now, but he still doesn't get confidence from Kules, not from me by, by any shot. Mm-hmm. But again, I don't know enough of Junior Furpo to know if he's able to do it because, yeah, he's played a couple games and so forth. But every time it's been handled with kid gloves as opposed yeah. to just go out there, make a mistake, okay, whatnot, and figure it out. Mm-hmm. And again, we have Cucurella still. You know, we had yep. him, right? And to, again, to pick another player, free agent, just to plug and play for a, for a substitute, I just don't like the policy. Yeah, I, I think that that's 100% a bad move. Um, and the big part of, of why I threw this in there is because there's comparisons and a lot of Kules want Grimaldo to return, um, a player who's thriving at Benfica, also in the Portuguese league. And... The fact that the board is saying no, we're gonna we're gonna interested in Alex Tellez um, over a player who grew up in La Masia, a graduate. That that is very fishy to me because they're not willing to go back, admit they're wrong, sign a player who knows the system, who knows what it's like to play on that stage. I mean, and again, how much money is he going to be? He's very he's a pacey and. As we just talked about, he's Brazilian, so he's not going to be here long anyway, right? Apparently, (laughs) unless you're Danny Alves. With the La Masia stamp, it should always be more beneficial for us than like Alex Tellez, for example. Like it should be Mm -hmm. like going after him because he already knows the philosophy, the style. So already he's comfortable and knows what's going on. And so there isn't this learning curve where he has to adapt and know the triangles, the tiki-taka, what's expected, the training, all that stuff. Now let's mm-hmm. quickly go into Rakitic really quick. <laughs> Rakitic had a uh, interview with Mundo Deportivo. This was last week. Mm-hmm. And he basically, you know, was... Uh, I don't know if you know this, but Rakitic is available for interviews lately. I mean, he is just... Yes. <laughs> he's just doing interviews on TV. On I mean, he's obviously bored right now, just like everyone mm-hmm. else. But he's very available right now. And obviously, he, just, he was talking about the Neymar saga last summer. And yeah, so apparently he hates potatoes, right? 
Yeah. He he's I think right now he's trying to save face. I think he's trying to save yeah, his yeah. career in a way and and I don't see anything wrong with it, right? Cuz it's the way we're handling his uh current situation is not respectable. It's not fair for either the club nor the player. Um yeah, he he basically came out and said I'm not a sack of potatoes that you can do with whatever you want. We try to use him to uh lure Neymar back. We would send him the other way last summer. Um it sounds like we are going to throw him at any club that we are trying to pry a player away from. So it could be Alex Delez, could be Lataro. Anyone we're trying to sign, we are going, okay, cool. So here's Rakitic, and you tell us how much. Um, and Is I he think one of the youngsters? Yeah. <laughs> I'd love that. No, uh, that'd be funny. Uh, yeah, it's a guy named Ivan Rakitic. No, no, no. Same, same name, just a different yeah, player. Yeah, Trust me. He's 20 yeah. years old. Yeah, yeah, he's 20. Um, I am 12. That's what that makes yeah. me think of. Um, I, I, it hurts me because I really like Rakitic. Um, but I'm also sad for him because he hasn't handled it the best way either. And Kules are frustrated with his time on the pitch. Um, they're they're fed up with how he went. And the thing that I always just want to say to remind people is, you know, Rakitic goes out there and he follows the coach's orders. So if Valverde told him to play back pass after back pass, do not yeah. turn anymore. At, you know, you, we saw the frustration from PK and Messi when they were actively looking at him as soon as he made the back pass. Excuse me, as soon as he made the back pass, like, dude, what are you doing? Um, yeah. At the end of the day, this is it's a coach's thing. So if that's the role that he wanted, because we saw Lucho absolutely unleash a beast remember how good he was yeah. in the treble season and then in 16 17 he was yeah. fantastic it, it comes down to coaching and i think that one day he'll return to that sort of form the other thing is he we bought him from sevilla and they are apparently not interested in bringing him back a club that he had a great um relationship with anytime he had scored against sevilla for barcelona and there was no celebration it was a, it was a good move of um gratitude to his former employer so to me, it looks like Rakitic isn't going anywhere, and um, I think that that will eventually end up in some sort of terminating of a contract because he will be fed up with how he is uh, treated at Barcelona. Yeah, I I think he gets a lot of you know crap by Kules. I think he's fine. I just think it's a lot of has to do with the coaching, the formation, the tactics that we're not utilizing his talent. And mm-hmm. again, it's it's unfortunate. This is this goes back to the board and the way their their vision is with the team long term. There's no long term vision with this team. Mm-hmm. You have to have both. You know, both have to be parallel, short term and long term, you know, in the background. And that's why you really need a good sporting director that has all that type. And from what we've seen in the last four years, we just don't have that. Now let's touch base on these last two, Artur Mello, we kind of talked about him now I have always praised him ever since he's come to Barcelona about his skills, his ability to hold the ball. I really think he's a keystone to our midfield. Mm-hmm. I think he should be in our top 11 you know, for big matches because of his ability yep. to pass and move. But again, there's all these transfer rumors of him going to Inter Milan. I mean, uh, what's going on with this? Yeah, it looks like he is the number one thing that will be um, thrown into any sort of deal for Lautaro or Neymar. Sounds like that's going to be what any club would actually be okay if they were going to do a player swap plus cash deal. Is They wouldn't want Rakitic, they wouldn't want you know Junior Firpo or any of these guys. They want Artur because of what he's been able to do in his first year and a half in, uh, in Catalonia. And like you said... I think he's he's at such a high value right now. It's not like he goes out and he's making bad decisions. Every time he takes the field, 
uh, I think he's brilliant. I think he's learning as best he can and as quickly as he can, but he's not out there making poor decisions. He's not showing that he can't shine on that stage, that he's not ready to play in La Liga or anything like that. He's just 22 years old, so I think that he needs to be untouchable. It's not like he's won us over yet. We we paid a, a good chunk of change for him, but to, in my head, that was a steal, so I think we need to see this through and let him get a full non-interrupted <laughs> pandemic non-interrupted injury season and um yeah we'll have a better idea of what he can really do for for the club my my only contention with our tour is i want to see him play a full 90 more consistently yeah and that's the other thing i i don't understand what is going on with that because we, we thought it was a valverde thing but we mm-hmm. saw that it's also with setian too that they don't for some reason he can't get the fitness or they don't trust him or but yeah when i watch the games i don't see anything so visible where it's like mm-hmm. wow he can't go another 10 minutes. And yeah. again, I don't like the move of dangling him for Neymar or Latour Martinez because mm-hmm. I just feel that our midfield is in dire need of help. Yes. And that is the engine that drives Barcelona. And if mm-hmm. we don't have a good midfield, then we're never going to have a good trio up top. And you can put anyone up there. They're not going to be fed balls and we're going to be always bad on the counter. So mm-hmm. our tour for me is the keystone. Now let's talk about Pedri. Yes. And I, again, another player you put on the document that I had to go, whoo, I mean, I, I don't <laughs> <laughs> yes. you know, I'm, I, I'm in touch with world football, but this guy was kind of a surprise. Now, again, everyone loves comparing small mm-hmm. midfielders to Iniesta. And yes. this is just another one. Yes. Uh, Pedri Lopez, he's a 19 year old or no, excuse me, 17 year old at Las Palmas. Yeah. We own part of the rights to him. I'm not exactly sure. I, d- I did not do my homework on there and figure that all out. <laughs> Um, but we're leaving him at Las Palmas for the rest of this season, if that ever happens. And then he was supposed to come to the Camp Nou this summer. However, because of this pandemic and the squad situation, it's looking um, that we may loan him out again. And I don't think he'll be in Las Palmas because there might not be promoted. So we want him to get yeah. La Liga football. And Real Betis have uh, publicly confirmed um, interest from their sporting director that they are interested in the player. So it might be a situation like Emerson, uh, the young right back that we had signed and, and immediately shared the rights with uh, Real Batiste and put him there because he's actually going to get playing time there. And it's kind of looking like that is going to be necessary because um, FC Barcelona is not um, in dire need of Pedri right now. I think Real Batiste would be in more use for the player, um, which is at some point, we got to say no more because yeah. we're, we're losing these players. Uh, Emerson, Carlos Alignad, they're, they're going to these clubs who, yeah, they're going to be able to play. But that means we just need to change our coaching. We, yeah. we need to have faith in the youngsters to rotate players. I mean, Valverde never rotated. Kite Setien has hardly rotated as well. Yep. Busquets is going to be playing till he's 50. I'm tired of it. I want, <laughs> yeah. I mean, not right now, but I know I'm tired. I know yeah. Mean. I'm tired of the fact that we can't trust youngsters to at least include them on the bench, right? The big thing yeah. for me is, is the Ricky Pooge on uh, being left out of the squad against Inter when we had already had the group wrapped up. You know, Ansu Fati and Toribo started that match, who went on, had great performances there and Ricky Pooch didn't even make the bench it just doesn't make any yeah. sense like with this type of player like why not just put him on Barca B for yep. example and just make him a star in Barca B and just mm-hmm. create that competition you're telling me him going to play in Canarias right now compared mm-hmm. to Barca B like again there's I think they're about the same there's not that huge yeah. drop off of talent of the competition <clears throat> 
And more importantly, he's going to be in Barcelona, in La Masia, in that arena, getting more coaching from our coaches, essentially. Yeah. And again, with this player, with, you know, I would say anyone under 23, just put him on Barca V. Like, mm-hmm. use Barca B as our minor league if they're not good enough to be on the team. Maybe play them for a year, then ship them out, right? Or ship them to another team to get playing time even more. But I think Barca B is a great laboratory for those players, especially if they're between, you know, 19, 21 years old, you know? Mm-hmm. That, should be the, that should be the testing ground for that talent because then we can really put our eyes on it and say, look, we got our coaching, our philosophy, and the player still didn't succeed then we know that he's not cut out to be in the senior team and you cut your losses sooner. As mm-hmm. opposed to now, let's say he plays another year or two in Canarias, he has okay success, then comes to Barcelona and can't make it. It's like, mm-hmm. well, what happened? Where's the disconnect? You know? yep. and, and that's where a lot of the problems are happening. You know, We need to just keep our young talent somehow. I'm not saying all of them have to be in Barca B. Yeah. But like, you know, <clears throat> if you're under 21, go to Barca B because you're still going to yeah. get good competition in, in the Segunda, you know? earn the right to play it that you know i'm tired of i think that it might just be players have too much power right pedri Mm. will make that switch and he'll immediately be thrown into the first team and he will feel as though he's made it and then he'll blame the coach when he's not selected he'll blame you know the squad being too competitive and he's out right if you throw him the in barca b and he thrives right he's he's just blowing uh competition away and he absolutely needs to be promoted uh immediately he has a lot more confidence. I think that it's good for all first-team players because they're like, yeah, this guy ran the um, the third division or whatever division Barca B is playing in at the time, and this is, you know, this is going to be good. It's good, healthy competition. I think that if you are under 21, under 20 years old, you need to prove yourself at Barca B. And if we're spending stupid amount of money to sign a player just for Barca B, probably shouldn't do the deal. That's how yeah, I look exactly. at it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Need, they need to earn it. You know exactly, but there should also be you know these are the things that the sporting director needs to do. They're put a self-imposed salary cap on Barca yeah. B and say mm-hmm. we need to get these players at two to three million, not seven to ten. You know, mm-hmm. and groom the players, coach the players, make sure that they're good enough, and then go from there. You know, this is all again we're 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 backseat drivers on this, but I think this is the kind of vision you have to have, especially long term when we have such a great pipeline pipeline with La Masia. You know, mm-hmm. well. I'm I'm excited about this part because yeah, yeah. we're gonna deep dive into the Bartomeo signings. We're gonna you did an outstanding job. Yeah, yeah, you did an outstanding job with this Excel spreadsheet that we have. For those of you who want to follow along with us, I've uploaded the Excel sheet or some part of the graphic or figures onto our social media. There will be a link and photos um, on our Twitter and the Instagram account. So if you want to follow along with us and and track these numbers as we talk about them, you guys can do that. And so what we're going to do is we're going to talk about Bartomeu's signings starting from 2014, the summer of 2014. Now, we don't include all the minor signings, you know, people that come in for uh, half a season and go out the back end. You know, we don't really have that. We're talking more about the major players coming in and out. And I just want to start with this stat. I think this is the big stat we need to start with from this because, like we talk about, you know, you have a number in your mind and so forth. The total spent, right? Mm-hmm. 1.15 billion, right? Essentially, yeah. Yes. The money sold is 680 million, mm-hmm. right? And the profit from all this, yeah. For is those negative. who just did your math, <laughs> that's that's negative close to 500 million euros. And it's important to note that we are a global uh 
club. So it's okay that we lo- we don't have an, a positive profit each summer, right? We, we exactly. gain That's so much point. revenue. Um, you know, it, you can compare it to other clubs, but uh, there's I basically went through and I did every summer's um, total ins and outs uh, when Bartomeu was appointed. And there's some summers where we we lose close to 140 million in profit. And there's some summers um, that he almost broke even very, very close. And, and I think that it's, yeah, it's important to note that because we can afford to lose $30 million in profit. We, we make that much revenue to, to make that a feasible transfer uh, each summer. And then, you know, if we're seeing them as long-term solutions and you're a Neymar all over again, sort of thing, you know, that's all up to that. So um, I think I'll upload this for our listeners too so they can see this. Um, yeah, make it into a PDF so they can just yeah. take a look. What I, what yeah. I want to do is I want to go season by season, just kind of highlight, mm-hmm. um, you know, the positives, the negatives, maybe talk some of the players and, you know, try to figure out what they were thinking from this. So let's start off with the 14-15 season. Obviously the biggest two that I'm looking at that came is mm-hmm. Luis Suarez and Ter Stegen. Because obviously they have contributed so much. So obviously for me, that's a wash. Like I don't care about the money for those two players because they are stars, captains. They've done so many great moments. So that to me is a wash. But now I look at the other players, right? Mm -hmm. And I ask you, Cole, which player here besides, you know, Luis Suarez take Ter Stegen out is a quote unquote Barca player? That you look at that list and you're just like, huh? That's a Barca player. Yeah, uh, that'd be none. Um, I'm looking at <laughs> exactly. a list of Douglas, uh, okay. the, the Brazilian who has had a wonderful playing career, not yeah. um, Claudio Bravo, mm-hmm. Ivan Rakitic, uh, Thomas Vermullen, and Jeremy Mathieu. Yeah. It is an atrocious list in a summer that cost 165 million euros um, from those pairs, players alone. That is a lot of money for players. Uh, just three remain left in the squad. And I would say, okay, Rakitic, you know, maybe isn't the typical uh, mm-hmm. Barca midfielder, but at least Lucho had a plan with him about with his physicality and directness. And I get that. I understand that point. Mm-hmm. But like, for example, Matteo Vermelen, at the time, I was super confused by these guys because I just didn't understand what the point is. Mm-hmm. 30 years old and 28 years old. 30-year-old for Matteo, who was a La Liga player, and he did have a lot of experience and good, but he's mm-hmm. not a Barca-type defender. And Vermaelen, Mr. Glass, I'm sorry, like you, we already <laughs> knew before. And mm-hmm. to pay the money, you know, that we did for him, you know, it's not that high, but still it just adds to the total of that yep. summer, you know? Yep. 19 million, you know, essentially. Yeah. Now let's go to the, the departures. So this was going out the other way. So Alexis Sanchez went to Arsenal, so that's where we got mm-hmm. a big chunk back. Fabregas went to Chelsea. And then, mm-hmm. you know, Teo, Bojan, Dos Santos, Victor Valdez, and Puyol retired. So the total of this is $82 million, you know? Yep. And like you said, the profit is negative 84. I mean, it's one mm-hmm. thing to be a negative, you know, 10, 15 yep. because of the transfer. But when you're negative 100, I mean, what's going on? I mean, already from the mm-hmm. first summer, just the amount of player movement going through is unbelievable. I went through and I compared the first uh, summer's to a lot of other sporting directors and presidents, depending on how the club does things like Paris, Man City and things. And it looks like a lot of new appointees or yeah, new appointees like to spend big their first opportunity and then they'll kind of back it down. This is not what Bartomeu did. (laughs) This is by far not his biggest um, summer. It's not even close. Um, 
it is scary how much money that we he later goes on to spend. Let's we'll we'll get there because I want to go yeah, on we'll that timeline we'll with get this. There. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. And again, I, with Fabregas and Sanchez, I was happy that they spent the time at the club. But with Alexis Sanchez, I never thought he was a, a good fit for the club. Obviously, Fabregas clashed with. Guardiola a bunch and you know he kind of uh, was more in tune with the Premier League and just wanted to go back there now mm-hmm. let's go back to my favorite season with free agency <laughs> is the 15-16 summer mm-hmm. where we got the outstanding Alex Vidal and Turam I mean this to me completely made no sense on paper on pencil on video game like what were they <laughs> thinking with these two players He's the first two I sold every time I started career mode. Are you kidding me? <laughs> um, yeah. In total, we spent uh, 50 million euros for the two players, uh, both coming from other La Liga clubs. So we know they're going to mm-hmm. be, they're going to cost a bit more because it is we're buying from our competition. Um, that's how business works. You know, you got to spend a little bit more if you're going to buy them from your direct competitors. And they went on to do absolutely nothing, not only for the club, but <laughs> especially that season, right? They were not allowed to play. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy because knowing. That they weren't allowed to play, they just sat. And mm-hmm. when they did play, they didn't really contribute. What was the great Turan game? What was the great Alex Vidal game? You know, nothing, yes. right? We got nothing out of that. Now the departures was Pedro Delafeo, Dennis Suarez, and then Javi retired. So mm-hmm. maybe I would have kept Pedro one more season. I know mm-hmm. he was kind of on the outs with Lucho at that time. Mm-hmm. Again, Delafeo, I would have kept him as well too for the age and the price. I mean. Yes. We sold them to Everton for six million, not mm-hmm. fifteen or twenty or twenty-five mm-hmm. or something like this. We didn't price gouge them. So again, what is the purpose? Because again, if you look at just this little small window with us spending fifty, we still lost fourteen million mm-hmm. <laughs> in that season. We lost. That's the crazy thing. We bought two players. We sold three. Chavi uh, yeah. was or just a free, um, yeah. and. We still lost money that season. That probably wasn't a hit financially. That was probably a positive. They probably earned money back based on the revenue. They were allowed to keep more, right, and put it into next year's budget or whatnot. But the thing is, is if you look at other clubs and how they do business, and I'm obviously talking about our eternal rivals, the way they conduct their transfer business is it's a lot better than ours. I don't know if it's right because sometimes they are way overpriced, but they do come mm-hmm. from Real Madrid. How about... Players who come from Barcelona. Oh, let's see. Gerard De Rofeu, 21 years old, was sold for $6 million. Another 21-year-old, Denis Suarez, was sold for 4 Both of those players played for Barca later on, and their transfer fees were not much larger than their original ones. It, yeah. You know, I see a club like Real Madrid selling players just like that for 20 to 30 it, It's It's not good business. Yeah, yeah. And I <laughs> yeah. think I think part of it too is obviously because Perez has already gone through the galactical process twice. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of knows that you have to have a little bit of balance. Now, yep. like with Delafeu and Dennis Suarez, yeah, they're 21. I mean, how much time and extra experience they really get at Everton and Billy Real, <laughs> yeah. where maybe they could have been a backup and playing with these guys just a little mm-hmm. bit more, or even Barca B, just holding the floor with Barca B. To me, that's where the hardest decisions have to come because if you're not going to make over 10 mm-hmm. with taking that player, then you have to keep them because six and four is just, it's, it's peanuts. It's pennies. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's go to the next season. Oh God. I just, I just <laughs> saw the name. <laughs> so let's go to the 2016, 2017. Oh yeah. my gosh. Wow. 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 So the first name you have here is 
Mr. Personality, the yeah. light of my light, uh, Andre Gomes. Oh. At 37 million. <laughs> my gosh. I 37 can't. million. Yeah, we Good bought. God. Good we guy. bought a duo from Valencia that summer, uh, pa- Pablo Alcacer, uh, for yeah. 30. So that's a total of 67 uh, just yeah. between those two players. But see, I was I was okay with the Alcacer signing because I thought that we had seen the season before that we needed to have Suarez to have a break. And we mm-hmm. didn't have a sufficient center striker to take that. And I thought Paco Alcacer would be a good substitute to get those games you know, interchange with uh, Suarez at the second half of the game if you used him right. So mm-hmm. I was okay with the Alcazar signing. Obviously, Andre Gomes, I had no idea what was going on. That's all Valverde. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, um, Umtiti, for real, that's that's a steal. I mean, look at that number. Yeah. That is incredible. Mm-hmm. So this is the one incredible steal, I would say, out of all of this so far. Mm-hmm. Umtiti was 22 at the time, $25 million from Lyon. Yes, I, I think that he's gone on to earn that money back. Um, now he has the opportunity to like make that one of the best deals in football history. Uh, he's yeah. a world champion. He piloted France to a world championship. I think that we have to keep him, keep the faith, and trust that he'll eventually find that kind of form again. You look at it, the other Frenchman who came that summer from PSG, $17 million for Luca Digne. That didn't cut out, now did it? I mean, I wish we would have kept him. I mean, yeah, I we, never, we never kicked the tires fully on him to know if Mm-mm. he was able to. And I, seeing him play now, I think he would have been fine. You know, he just yeah. needed more playing time, more confidence. And then sadly, you know, Denny Suarez gets <laughs> for a loss, 3.2. I mean, he, the summer before, 4, now 3.2. Yeah. Again, what, what's the point? That's mm-hmm. why even why even sell him for three? Yeah, you know, just do a free transfer or just kick Barca B. I don't know, do something. I mean, three point two is nothing, and plus yeah. in that season Villarreal, I mean, I mean, how much gameplay did he get? Now let's talk about exactly. the departures. Now, obviously, for when I'm looking at this list, the biggest departure that I don't like is Bartra. I think, you know, I'm not saying he's the greatest player. I know he has his faults, mm-hmm. but man, I just think he would have been a nice substitute to have. Pairing with him, Umtiti, PK, mm-hmm. you know, and then not even having Matu and, and Vermalen with that money. I mean, that is yep. that's the kind of economics that we're talking about. Absolutely. That 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 summer we lost Mark Batra, came from La Masia, and uh, f- for eight million at twenty five years old, I think that he should have gone for close to twenty, so double. Yeah. You know, we can yeah. look in comparisons and go twenty is still low, like whatever. But that's. I think he was sold for half of his value. That's not good business, right? Claudio Bravo was a um, a dim light during the Bartomeo accounting um, days. He actually made a profit on on the Chilean uh, six million euros. He sold them for six million more than what we purchased for him. Um, here's a name that we all have to remember because of the season. La Real's midfield maestro is having Alan Halilovic who is coming yeah. up and going to be our version of Martin Odegaard. That hasn't happened. Um, yeah. He was sold that summer for $5 million. Um, yeah. I think that the loan fee to La Real for Odegaard was higher than $5 million. This is just more telling. Uh, Adriano was, I think, a bit of decent business, two, two and a half for a 31-year-old left back who never started. Yeah. Um, it, but again, a little bit. Look at the, just look at, I mean... The way you've lined this Excel spreadsheet is just mm-hmm. amazing because on the one side we have the, the expenditures and it's just it's just eye-popping, right? The numbers mm-hmm. come out. And I look to the right and it's just peanuts. I mean, yep. again, this transfer season net a negative 
profit, a negative profit of 90 million euros. It's insane. Mm -hmm. It's insane, you know? We're selling players from Barcelona, from a global conglomerate for peanuts, right? Yeah. We sold, what is this? 11 players and we purchased six and we lost almost a hundred million. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. It, yeah. It's, it's insane. It's, it's let, horrible. Let, let's ju- yeah, let's jump into the, the following season. So the, the big oh one, my gosh. Oh the, my gosh. the biggest one. Oof. Thank God it's not coming out of my wallet. Right. So, yeah, right. So obviously the 2017, 18 season is mm-hmm. Coutinho, Dembele, Paulinho trio. 145, 125, and 40, respectively. On top of that, Samedo with another 35. So just, oh my God, I cannot believe these numbers. Just that offseason, they spent 370 million euros. 370 million euros for uh, six players. (laughs) That is... I mean, Everton made a profit on us. Look at that. Oh, absolutely made a profit. (laughs) Uh, that's an average of sixty million per player, and oh that that's a list of Coutinho, Dembélé, Paulinho, Semedo, De Lofeo, who's back again, and Yerry yeah. Mina. It yeah. is atrocious. This was, you know, after we sold Neymar. You know, mm-hmm. obviously on the backside. So we sold Correct. Neymar for twenty, you know, two hundred twenty-two. Again, to me, we were held hostage for the Dembélé and Coutinho transfers. I think yep. it was completely bad transfer policy policy to sell him first. I think they should have just tried to bargain for Coutinho and Dembele much lower, mm-hmm. not knowing that they were going to sell Neymar. So yeah. obviously the departures we have there is Neymar is the obviously huge one. But this is this is this is insane, right? So Neymar gets sold for two twenty two, right? Mm-hmm. And then Mascherano five point five, Teo four, De La Feo goes right back out the door. We bring him in for twelve and then we send him out for one. For a loan, yeah. Turan, yeah, Masip and Mateo. Those are the people that leave. Mm-hmm. So a total of 232, and we still have a profit negative of 137. It's just astronomically insane. We got rid of six players uh, besides Neymar. And in total, they accounted for 10 million. <laughs> 10 million. So Neymar was, you know, what is that? 96% of our, yeah. <laughs> of our income that summer. And we still lost 137 million euros. In the summer yeah. of 2000, or excuse me, uh, a lot, some of these transfers were during the winter. Uh, excuse me. Some <laughs> of these transfers were during the winter, uh, winter window. So Coutinho, uh, Mastrano. So in total of the 17 18 season, it was a loss of 137 million euros. And one of them was re- triggered by a astronomical release clause that still hasn't been broken. I just look at these numbers, and, and again, I just look at the players. Again, let's let's just look at the free agents that came in: Coutinho, Dembele, Paulinho, Semedo, Delafeo, Yerimina. Mm-hmm. And I ask you, just from looking at that list, who's a Barca player just before they even came? Before you even know, I would say maybe Dembele, okay, because of the speed, the wing play. Mm-hmm. But Coutinho, now Paulinho, obviously no. Semedo, maybe a little bit, but again, he's not good enough with his feet. Nope. And again, it's that type of idea, the vision of just bringing players and just throwing paint at the wall. I agree. I, I want to also point this out to listeners. This will be available on the spreadsheet. But this is actually uh, his most successful, in a way, of <laughs> um, how do I say this? Future uh, departures. Because yeah. Paulinho, uh, who we brought in for 40, was sold at a profit of 2 
million, which is <laughs> nothing, right? That's yeah. that's nothing. And then Yeri Mina, who we did make a pretty good uh, profit for a player who played for us for six months. We made a profit of 18.5 million euros. In total, that's just above 20 on two players, and that's by far his best. So it's yeah. it's scary, right? We, we yeah. keep... We digress to the next season, right? Yeah, I can't wait for this one because, again, uh, you know, we did have some good players, obviously, from this. So let's take a look. Mm-hmm. The 2018-2019, we have Malcolm coming in, Longley, Artur, Arturo Vidal, Murillo, Toribo, and then King Boteng. I call him King, not Prince. King, All right. King, King, King Boteng. Boteng, I like it. So, yeah, so obviously the the big ones there. So the total spent there was 130, 130 million. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously Longley has been a great signing. Again, like you said, the competition from Sevilla, obviously the price is going to go high. Mm-hmm. Again, I look at this list and I say Artur, 31 million. That's not too bad. But the Arturo Vidal, I mean, I don't understand this signing. And I still don't understand because he's not the typical midfielder. Nope. But, you know, Malcolm, 41, maybe that's a bit high. But, you know. What, what are you going to say? What about these players that stick out for you? Um, the big one that sticks out for me is not going to be what sticks out for everyone else. It's going to be uh, Mario, uh, Jason Mario from Valencia mm-hmm. alone and Prince Boateng because those that is uh, two and a half million euros that we could have saved and given opportunities to young Barca B players. Yeah, um, that's a good point. There, the, it was a huge success having Lenglet that season, bringing him in. Um, TT and Lingle shared that, and they they're still fighting for that spot today, which is ridiculous. It should be solved by now. Yeah. Um, and then we also have to remember Malcolm because he was brought in for forty one, but we have to remember the way that Malcolm was was dealt with because that was the craziest summer probably of any signing in recent years. Right, Roma um, were yeah. trying to sign the player. The player's family was in Rome on the runway, ready to greet their their new superstar of a son or, or a family member. And then all of a sudden his playing doesn't take off and yeah. he's on his way to Barcelona because his agent yep. just wanted to get some commission and boy, yeah. did he do it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel bad because I think Malcolm could have developed into something we could have really used. And we just, again, we never kicked the tires. I, I mean, I understand that in training they have, more visibility on this player but again i just you know i want to see more playing time let's talk about the departures like you just said so this list is crazy because it's just paulinho yuriminia digne de la feo alex vidal marlin hey marlin denny suarez andres gomes <laughs> alcacer munir samper iniesta obviously retired from there Whew, my gosh 128 so this was the best season if you look at this the profit loss 0. 0.5 million right so mm-hmm. Barely in the red, you know, barely in the red. But again, yeah. the talent we got in is just that season just doesn't scream success, except I would say Longley, obviously, in our tour. But mm-hmm. just in general, you know, all the players involved is just crazy. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's worth noting that Malcolm was a, a success because he was with us for just a season. We lost a million. But I think that that's a success because he didn't play. We didn't expose some great talent that he had, but we couldn't use correctly so we're gonna offload him for a profit right we lost a million on him but he he wasn't here very long and i think that that's pretty good business considering bartomeo's track record right i would is i was expecting him to sell him off for like 15 right yeah yeah you know? exactly so to only lose a million that's not too bad right and then on the flip side paulinho goes for a profit riari mina we mentioned earlier goes for a profit luca Digne, uh taylor finally leaves the club 
um, which looks to be the last time. We don't know. He's only 25. There's plenty of time to return. Uh, Elesh Vidal, you know, it's it's peanuts on the other side, but it finally added up. And I think it was last summer that the financial turns were kind of looking bad. And this might have been Bartomeu and Abidal kind of looking at this as a we we don't have the option to lose 30 million in our transfer budget this this summer we have to stay pretty darn close to even and um he did really well at that even though it it was a lot of loans um a lot of players leaving that was a really thin squad last season remember that that was kind of dangerous at times yeah and let's let's finish off with the 1920 season and i'm just looking at the list of just the players involved (laughs) this is insane obviously Mm -hmm. we bring in griezmann at 120 frankie dijon at 75 neto at 26 i mean like that right there, the netto. Mm-hmm. Why? 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 Yeah. Why? Why? Like you can just bring in any goalkeeper to be a backup and groom him. I mean, why? Is Anaki Pena. Uh, exactly. Anaki exactly. Yeah. Obviously, Braithwaite at eighteen. If we would have done our homework, our due diligence before, <laughs> we could have got a decent forward before with not paying this price. <clears throat> Junior Firpo, Emerson, Cucurella again. Now, I want to just go to this list of departures. This is just insane. We're we're mm-hmm. looking at how many players leaving about seventeen. 17, 17 players. players leaving, okay? 17 players, so yeah. I'm going to read them off really quick. Malcolm, Sillison, Andre Gomez, Alcazar, Denis Suarez, Coutinho, Emerson, Cucurella, Toribo, Rafinha, Perez, Wage, Douglas, Vermalen, Alenia, Miranda, and Cucurella. Yes. And was it a profit call? It was not. It was a loss of $120 million. It's It's worth noting uh, some of these players are on here twice because it's when we finally got them off our books. So Andre Gomez left this last summer for a transfer fee not a loan fee. Same with uh, mm. Pablo Alcacer and Dennis Suarez. So that was important um, to finally get them off, right? We, we sell them for a combined uh, $60 million. It's not bad. They're all 25, uh, all have loads of La Liga experience by the time they left, and they all go off to um, not La Liga, except for yeah. Dennis, because they're they're not that quality players, right? No, no offense to Dennis, but he, he's not going to fulfill that role at Celta, and I think we made a profit off of a La Masia graduate for the first time ever, maybe. Yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, we're going to share this with our listeners because it's just insane when you just see the numbers in person because, you know, we, you have an idea of the numbers and the mm-hmm. profit and the selling and all that stuff. But when you actually <clears throat> look at it from season to season, first of all, you don't see any type of trend. Mm-hmm. You don't see any kind of guidance, long term thing like, Let's get this one player at 20 years old for $5 million and see if we can develop him. No, it's just <laughs> high price, high price, high price. Yep. Let's take a loss. And it's just there's no profit overall any mm-hmm. season since they've been on their thing. Obviously, they've been close you know, in that one season. So any final thoughts on this when you look at this, at this amazing Excel spreadsheet that you made? Um, I think the, the big things are you know, looking at the talent that Bartomeu likes to bring in, look for those trends um, and, and let us know if, if we missed anything. Because a lot of the time, it's not Barca-made players. It's not players that are ready to break into the first team. Somehow Paulinho did it. We're still trying to figure that out, you know. And, you know, look at how bad this business has been. And, and if there's ever been a time to leave um, – it up to a vote it's now right especially during a pandemic this is bad financial business this it's only going to get worse i think when our money is our pockets are thinner but the market is just growing right it's always going to be big even though market values will go down there's always a brazilian talent to buy for 25 million right (laughs) exactly just like uh the famous biggie songs right more money more problems right (laughs) exactly (laughs) sorry so 
as you can see, just and this is another thing. You add in the naming rights now, all of a sudden they just have this extra money to play, this extra millions, and they're like, oh, mm-hmm. we'll just get another hundred million guy and not have it work out. So, yeah. again, we're going to share this. It's a great job on this, by the way, because when we prepared this doc, you had their Excel spreadsheet. I just thought it was just going to be just the loan <laughs> fees on some players, but I didn't know it was going to be the wow factor that I saw on this. So, great mm-hmm. job on that. Thank you. Thank um, you. Again, as we talk about these transfers, it's just it's eye popping because you know the majority of them just haven't worked out. Yeah, no, this is this is screams. You know, look at this in ten years. It's going to be scary if you compare it to other clubs because this is some of the worst business ever. Right? I mentioned earlier if this was Real Madrid, they'd somehow make a profit each season, but. I don't think that it's unfair to make those comparisons. We, we, yes, we're a mess game club. We're, we're not about the money and all that stuff. But at the same time, you have to make smart decisions. And this is a case of, uh, I don't know, 200 something very poor decisions. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and like we said, you know, when you look at the numbers, it's just there's just no trend. It's not like we're always going for the young left back mm-hmm. or we're trying to shape up our young defense. There's just like, a forward here, a midfield there, a goalie there. It's just there's no, again, like I said, there's just no vision for the long term, uh, you know, development of the team and mm-hmm. foundation. And and it's as is the last two seasons, it's very eye catching because the players are older. There's no competition. They know that the transfer policy that they're just going to bring another high price free agent. Exactly. So again, um, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll have we'll just continue more episodes, obviously, because we, the rumors and the news just keep turning out from FC Barcelona. Yeah. Until next time, Visca Barça. Yeah. Cheers, Kudes. Sports Social Podcast Network.